frontier. I tried to picture clusters of information as they moved through the computer. What did they look like? Ships, motorcycles. Were the circuits like freeways? I kept dreaming of a world I thought I'd never see. And then, one day, I got in. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Michael Miller, and it is good to be here this sunny, sunny afternoon instead of the evening because we are pre-recording this show for you live. We're pre-recording it live, but you're not listening to it live. <laughs> That's confusing. Well, we're here to make things less confusing. Paul, how are you doing tonight? I'm confused. Uh, and Jake, you are our guest tonight. We have a very special guest tonight, the mysterious Jake. We're not going to go into any other details other than to say that he owns and operates two technology stores, which also happen to be Apple-authorized service providers and resellers. True or false, Jake? True statement. I feel honored and also slightly sick in my stomach to be talking to you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to ascribe that to nerves from your excitement. That's how I'm taking it. Uh, how are you guys doing up in the uh, frozen north today? Well, it's not so frozen, actually. It's pretty darn warm. It's in the 40s. It's in the 40s. It's soaring, oh, soaring into the 40s. In the 40s. <laughs> Roasty, toasty. Yeah. What, uh, we're, we're not going to ask what it is for you because that might give away where you are. Well, Hawaii. that is true. However, I will say it is warmer than 40 degrees, which is considered slightly warm by normal standards. <laughs> Super hot by Alaskan standards. So. Yeah, okay. Definitely. If it's melting the, the snow, it's officially really hot. We're going to hit a couple of news items before we get to asking you deep, profound questions about life as a Max Door owner. We have a special you know, part of our show that we devote to fear and panic. And we're back with fear and panic. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know why? Do you know why we're back? Because last week we reported on the fact that the internet got broken. The entire internet broke into a million billion pieces. Well, that's not entirely true. Part of the internet got broken. And the reason for that was is there was a massive DDoS attack on an anti-spam company. We reported on this briefly, and we're just going to touch on that again because this has been an ongoing story. We want to make sure that people realize that was not part of our April Fool's show. Yeah, there was that too. Paul and I did what we thought was a really hilarious rendition of, of upcoming uh, Apple and other technology products. Hey, we were laughing. We were. We were laughing prof- a lot, and, and everyone else. And that makes it funny, doesn't it? Right. So, and it's so uh, you know. That's, a, that's in the eye of the beholder. Let me just go ahead and say that right uh, now. <laughs> no, if we're laughing, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, did you guys read the. Uh, did you see, I don't know who did it, but did you see the Apple uh, April Fool's joke on the eye? I, I think they called it the iPlay. iPlay? We, we no. saw. No. We see no iPlay. We saw iNos. Oh, no, no. iPlay was, uh, and I, I don't know, I think it was on YouTube, but um, somehow they had Jonathan Ives in there starting it off, and I think they must have just, like, pasted it together from a couple of different things. But um, 
So for those who don't know, Johnny Ives is the guy who actually designs, does all the industrial design over at Apple. I apologize. Yes, with, with a British accent, which makes him a better designer. We all know that. It's true. <laughs> Immediately class. Adds to and, the credibility. Uh, so, but he was, he was talking about it was the iPlay, and it was a little black box that they showed. And they said that Apple has done it again. This time it's a video game console. And they have stripped down exactly the essence of what people want out of a video game experience. And we all know, according to Apple, that hardcore gamers like 3D and motion technology. Right. And, and so when stripping it down, what they came up with was, you don't need to pick games. This only plays Angry Birds. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the ultimate technology game. That sounds and like... They, the... <laughs> and they had every rendition of Angry, Angry Birds you could ever have in a very apple-like, and it was beautiful. It was the best thing I ever saw. Oh, that's good. Except you're throwing little broken, uh, little apples at little broken PCs <laughs> and Windows yeah. phones. That's, that's right. And, then, <laughs> and occasionally a little droid got in the way. It, yeah. <laughs> so, to get back to what we were talking about. For, uh, oh, oh, yes, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> we're, we're prone to distraction. We are. There isn't, the, the only topic is that there is no topic. But we were going to mention that the internet went down because Cyberbunker, a hosting service that specializes in hosting anything and everything except for child porn and terrorism, you know, those are <laughs> off the books, got blacklisted by an anti-spam organization called Spam House. And they, they did not like this. Cyberbunker did not like this. And so they unleashed a DDoS attack on Spam House, their website and their server. To little effect, because as it turns out, Spam House contracts with a company called Cloudflare, which is designed to protect your website and your servers from just such an attack. Well, realizing that their attack was having little to no good, they then went and did a little crafty rejiggering of using the Internet's weaknesses. In other words, they took DNS servers. Paul, we've talked about what DNS mm -hmm. servers are on the show before. It's Let's reflect on that again. I guess so. Um, a DNS server is a domain name server, and mm -hmm. every computer on the Internet to communicate to another computer needs a number. Mm -hmm. It needs to know that computer's IP address so it can actually reach out and have communication. But IP we address. Right. We don't deal with numbers so well. We want to type in apple.com. We want to type in jakeisn'tsosmart.com, whatever it is that we're really <laughs> in, 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 <laughs> We don't really like 10.3.6.08, well, et, et cetera. Anyway, I actually... Do, but that's another topic entirely. So if you want to type well. in a name and have that turn into a number, there are computers that are designed for saying, okay, your name corresponds to this number on the Internet. They're phone books for computers, in other words. Mm. We use a phone book to look up a name and find a number. These, these servers are there for our computers to connect to and say, I'm looking for Apple.com. What number is that? Away we go. However, there is a slight flaw in the Internet today in that most domain name servers allow any request to be made to them from anybody at all. And so what the attackers did is they flooded a whole bunch of domain name servers with requests for names that didn't exist. And so the domain name server sent information back saying, ah, sorry, that doesn't exist. And the amount of information sent back was much greater than the request, right? And the request was spoofed in such a way that it looked like it came from Spam House. So they used the amplification effect of all these DNS servers across the Internet to amplify the effect of their attack on Spam House by a magnitude of 50. 
So it's in a sense a kind of sp- of swatting. Yeah, that's well, they, I guess in, in a way, they're, or, or they're redirecting, you know, a freeway into your personal house. But they're ma- they're creating the illusion that it's coming from a source that it's not. Right, right. This in, is true. In that respect, it has a similarity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, swatting relies on the same tactic. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in this case, it, it, the effect was so great that parts of the internet and parts of the world actually just went down and overloaded the core backbone servers. That existed. It's incredible. And and the the service went down all Very clever. Yeah, it is. And so in in sort of fallout from that, we've there's been a bit of information that's come out. Cyberbunker has actually disavowed any and all knowledge of doing this, even though their fearless leader, the person who owns the organization and the hosting company, is part of an organization dedicated to bringing down Spam House. Jake, did you have did you have any did, did this reflect on your business at all? Did in any way any of your clients have to deal with that? No, no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't even. I mean, I read about it, but that was about it. I read about it and went, oh, and then, okay. and then an appropriate yeah. mature response. Sucks being you. I read about it. and I was like, that's really cool. And I went, what? You know who plays Angry Birds? And that was about the uh, that was about the extent of my. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, to for those of you going, ha-ha, <clears throat> I'm just going to add the fear and panic to this. I will point out that what this means is that a loose group, a coalition of people who don't really have, say, the billions of dollars that a nation state might have behind them or really the focus or know-how and other resources involved, just a, a coalition of criminals, essentially, and, and crime bosses who don't like Spam House were able to bring down the internet in London, in India, and in other countries for hours on end and to seriously cripple people's connectivity in other places. And I would say, uh, to put that into perspective, it would be the equivalent if in your hometown someone from another country managed to knock out the power altogether for a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. So I just feel this is one of many salvos that we're going to see in in what's quickly becoming a, a... all-out, not shadow war, an all-out conflict that is resolved using the Internet as opposed to old-school methods like guns or politics or money or whatever it is. I think what's really interesting about it is that it's it's not done by a political entity. You know, this isn't Iran or North Korea (laughs) infiltrating a computer network to shut down service. Jake, you, you, that's true. That that yep, just um, disgruntled anti-spammers. What, Jake, mm-hmm. you were saying. Oh, say what? <laughs> I think you were texting someone. No, no. What I said was, I said, "Or so you think it's not government." That's the beauty of the internet, folks. You can be anybody you want to be, or true. nobody at all. And yeah. who's going to know? Well, that is very true. That's true. Maybe that's Maybe, a false assumption on my part. It almost. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean. Who knows, and, and speculation is always dangerous, but if, if it truly, you know, the, the more everybody gets involved in technology, the more technology is central to what we do, um, the more it takes center stage on things. I mean, when you see world events and the, the way you see them is through Twitter, you realize that, that the centralness that these things are playing in our lives is, I think, even sometimes bigger than people realize. And, and, and so, you know... Um, so if Twitter goes down, then then we're not very happy. No, that's, 
Right, but I mean, it's how big? How big does it get, and where does it stop? Although that's a, a good point in the sense that if you think about the role that social media sites like Twitter or Facebook played in the Arab Spring, and those are just services; those are private services; those are private companies that have an impact of some kind on something that plays out on a global scale. And so, if right now this attack is on Spam House, but what if this attack is on something else? that we all use every day and care about. I mean, basically, these things are becoming the foundation to our lives. These are the new core, core utilities and core services, or they're an ad addition that didn't exist before. And when you can um, kind of pretend to be someone else to the extent that you can even um, kind of manufacture the, the physical origin of your message, in other words, pretending for something to come from somewhere else, there may come a point where I really wonder if to be credible, you may have to have a messenger carrying a rolled up handwritten note with a wax seal on it, like in the days of Rome, to actually be authentic. Yeah, or translation of verified Twitter account, right? That, that, was, a, that was a jet flying off, by the way. <clears throat> no, that, that's actually a good point, too, in that if you think about it, it seems so easy to forge an identity when all you have is a piece of paper and a piece of wax. And yet, in some ways, that takes it's a lot more, more credible. It's more credible and takes more work than what we have right now uh, where you can, you know, it's really, it's trivial to, to mask yourself on the Internet if you want to take the effort. Which begs the question, does that mean we need laws on the Internet that you identify who you are? Or are we okay with a scenario where anyone has the choice and has the ability to become as anonymous as they want? That's an interesting point. Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, so authentication. All right. Well, we're we're monitoring this situation to 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 take a newsroom term Ooh, because Tech Talk yeah, is monitoring. We're the monitoring situation. this, and we're going to report to you on a hourly, well, weekly at basis, weekly. at least biweekly basis, about what's going on with this. And we also are working on a guest from OpenDNS who provides DNS services for corporations on the world to come on the show and talk about their perspective on this. But in the meantime, I also want to mention uh, something that may be or may not be near and dear to Jake's heart, and that is that Apple's quarterly earnings are going to be announced on April 23rd. And for the first time in a long time, people are predicting that those earnings may be going down rather than up from previous quarter earnings. Uh, Jake, have you noticed that Apple is tanking? Is your business just cratering through the roof? <laughs> not really. No. Um, not even a little bit. But it is changing. And, and I, so? think, I think when you run the Titanic, and, and they are the Titanic, and I'm using that very carefully because I'm not saying they're going down. What I'm saying is it's so massive hmm. that I don't know that you can fully see the effects. An right aircraft away carrier might be a better doing. metaphor. Huh? An aircraft carrier might be a better okay, metaphor. Cause aircraft carrier, well, we'll see at the end of the day. I mean, I, I know the, 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 the Microsoft is the Titanic that everybody really talks about. <laughs> They already uh, were the Titanic. I think I, that I, sort of I, came and I went. Somebody, well, I had somebody the other day tell me, uh, they said, yeah, uh, it, it's like the Titanic. They're all still playing music with the ship sinking. <laughs> and I went, oh, no. <laughs> you know, they're trying to turn around. There's a lot of lifeboats. There's a lot of lifeboats with people lot energetically lot of rowing. 
are the people smart enough to get an This is the question. <laughs> that, that that's actually a very valid question. Well, so say. in the metaphor, have, has has Apple hit the iceberg, or is it imminent? You know, I, I don't think I don't think they even know yet. I think what's happening is I think. So here's my here's my take on it. Um, Steve Jobs was crazy. He was crazy, and and, and not in not in the uh, you know kind of slobbering, drooling kind that's of. That's you, right? <laughs> yes, that's me. That's me right now, anyway. Um, but I'll tell you what he was. He was dedicated to an idea, and I, I don't think he cared if you or I liked his idea because it, you know what was more important is he liked his idea. Sure. And he would move mountains to make sure that his idea was played out exactly the way it needed to be played out. Sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. But when you have that kind of drive, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if the guy's making sandwiches. They're going to be sandwiches that revolutionize the world. I feel and that way often about sandwiches, actually. Well, then I would interject <laughs> that that he, he does care about the marketability. Well, yeah. It, yeah. Actually, to chime in there, I, you know, I would say that the, personally, he might care as far as it needs to make a profit. But I think it's much more I know or I believe that this is going to matter to people whether or not they agree with me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You, uh, you right. can – anyway, sorry. I'm, I'm, no, yeah, that's what I'm I mean. That's what all great visionaries do. Uh, so I guess. Um, <laughs> he was a risk taker, certainly. He was definitely a risk taker. And, you know, you can try to set things up as much as you want for after you. But whether or not, on a core level, I mean, since Tim Cook has taken over that company, mm-hmm. they seem to be very, very focused on global expansion, mm-hmm. and which is not a bad thing. I mean, they're getting Apple pushed around the world now, but at what point, if that point exists at all, do you lose what's special about your company? I mean, that, yeah, that's definitely always the, the, the question, but... At the same time, um, the Titanic or the aircraft carrier example applies in the sense that it's also hard to stop the momentum they had before Steve Jobs left. And so if they had products in the pike and if they had good things in the pike, it seems like that's not going to change overnight and a company, a massive corporation isn't going to change that in a space of a year. They were probably working on things, my assumption is, that that were – in the pipe and being designed and worked on years before uh, Steve Jobs ever passed away. Absolutely. I mean, I've got, I had a report yesterday that the next two iPhones are already designed and ready to go, go which is great, mm-hmm. as long as the industry doesn't change rapidly. But, you know, that's one, co- that's one company that's making products that are very, very cool. Um, and then there's, there's, you know, 35 other companies that are innovating right alongside of them. And, you know, look at Samsung. I mean... Are you really going to use the word innovating and Samsung in the same sense? Dude, you know, maybe not innovating, but okay, well, hold on a second, because <laughs> I'm pretty confident every Apple product you've ever seen has been somewhere else before in some shape or fashion. They're just beautiful at putting it together, taglining it, and marketing it. Uh, case and in making point, it look sexy. Yeah, case in point, the word cloud. Everybody talks about the cloud. The cloud, the cloud is, an inner, is, a, is a PC in some guy's basement, for all we know. Um, but Apple made it look magical. Mm-hmm. They, they coined it, they made a little cute cloud, and they explained it in a way that people understood. It's what they're good at doing. 
not necessarily innovating, though. They're just... Well, I would argue, I, I would argue that there's a difference between innovating and inventing. And uh, Apple, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Generally, Apple, and, and sometimes they are first to the market, and sometimes they do invent things that no one else has come up with. But what they're, really their strength is, is in saying, or, or Steve Jobs' strength, in, strength was in saying, this is a technology that needs to be real and needs to come to fruition. And the difference, personally, be, between Samsung and Apple, or Apple and almost any other company, is that Apple has, does not react to the market. Apple has already been making this decision well before the market ever came along with the demand. I mean, you can hear Steve Jobs talking about the necessity for cloud services for everyone in 1996. Like, I think executives at Samsung in 1996 were talking about how we need to add AM and FM into our radios. <laughs> and I just think that's the difference. Like, you're right, Samsung has definitely, seems like even particularly since the lawsuit, aggressively push, position itself as a much better handset maker and as someone who includes features and, and, and technologies and concepts that perhaps other manufacturers don't. But I'm not sure there's a vision behind that. Like, it just feels like they're just slapping it in there because they can and they're hoping something sticks. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It's, it's definitely not as, not as, as focused an approach. Right. Um, I mean, however, it, so, okay, so, sorry. Well, I would just say, however, the Galaxy S3 has done something amazing. I mean, so in that same breath, okay, so is every other company that's making droids right now. Right. But here's the difference. Something about Samsung and their, and their Galaxy S series has stuck. People like it. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's what I think it is. They took a position against Apple, and then they did what Apple did. They made it cool. They made it sexy. And then they put some advertising and said, hey, if you want to be different. Because even though Apple was always the one that's different, now, Apple's not the one that's different. Apple is a status quo now. It's true. They you are. Can't be, you can't be the underdog forever. Well, they're definitely it's not. Be, it's, it's no, a, and, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what Apple does now that they're not the underdog. That's a position that I think not many companies get to deal with, but I think they're dealing with it, and they're going to deal with it. And, uh, frankly, the way they reacted to the, the, the map debacle, in iOS 6, I think, was uh, not the best way they should have reacted to it. How should they have reacted to it? Well, I think that they shouldn't have compromised on what they did. They put out a product. They thought that it was the best. You know, whether or not they needed to tweak it is fine. Do you think Steve Jobs would have come on and apologized to everybody and then said, well, here's all the other math companies that make their maps. We're sorry. I mean, that's not what he did when their iPhone had issues. Well, yeah, but he wasn't a lie. I mean, he didn't make the apology. That's, you know, arguably what's different between Tim Cook and Apple. Apple's been apologizing a lot more, which is I actually shouldn't. I don't mean that in a negative sense. I think that's probably a a good thing or a a better shift in in their company ethic. Maybe. Maybe. Well, that's true. Maybe. I mean, maybe it should just be no whole. To be a little less self-assured and arrogant. I mean, that's the thing is, that's, but that's Apple. Apple has it figured out for you. That's why you trust them so much. Or perhaps we do. Mike, how are we doing in time to, to excerpt to seven well, you know seven, five minutes? Okay. So, okay, so as far as your store goes, as far as your products go, and as far as what you sell goes, have you seen a, a shift, or have you seen people being interested in more Android phones or coming in with more Android phones or Windows 7. I mean, how about Windows phones? Have, have people been um, adopting? Actually, and, and for that matter, Windows tablets. That's really been hitting the market lately, and people have been trying really hard on that. Yeah. I think, I, no, I haven't seen a lot of them. We've seen some of them. Um, we definitely have the products there for people, um, you know, that want them and, and we're versed in them. 
I think Microsoft is doing some amazing things. They're at least trying to do some amazing Definitely. things. Definitely. And actually, on that note, I really feel that Microsoft, in a way, is, for perhaps the first time in their career, innovating. They're trying to make things. They're, they're not just trying to slap things together. It really feels like they're trying to do something that works from, from a, an authentic position for them. They're not just trying to look at what everyone else has done and repeat it but, right. but slap their own skin on it. And the, I, thing, the thing that I kind of liken it to, though, a little bit that, that I think they have to be careful with is, you know, Apple just recently stopped making the 17-inch MacBook Pro, um, and they've really downplayed their Mac Pro Tower. And what they've done is they've taken, you know, a relatively maybe small but still a core part of their market, and they really kicked them off. Mm-hmm. They've kicked them off. They've kicked off the graphic designers and the photographers who have been there for Apple all along. Yep. And Microsoft, you know, their core where they where they make their bread and butter is business. And if they're not careful, they're going to innovate like Apple right out of their business customers' lives if they don't make sure. I mean, to me, it's as simple as this. It's as simple as Windows 8 with the touch. Um, Metro or whatever they call it, interface, mm-hmm. um, for your tablet, your computer, your home life is right there. But give me a button I can press that brings it back to a Windows 7 type environment when I'm in business mode. Hmm. Right. Interesting. That's all you got to do. And then I'm a happy guy. That's clever. So would you say that you have seen um, it, over time – let, let, me, let me think of the right way to phrase this question because it was there for a minute and now it's gone. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. When it comes to Mac Pro 17-inch MacBooks, have people been missing those? Have people been trying to come in and buy them? Because it's true. Apple has let the Mac Pro line languish for years. It, yeah, I, I think um, we definitely had a lot of people that went, hmm, I would have really liked to have a bigger screen. Right. I, Apple, Apple upcharged those things so much. But, no, the average person, the average person walking in wants iPads, right? I mean, that's what they're doing now. And I get it. That's what mm-hmm. Apple, that's the direction everything's going in. It makes sense. Um, but, you know, it's, it's like, I understand the post-PC era. I understand that everything is going to go in the way of the tablet and the smartphone. And it makes a lot of sense for 99% of the people and what they do. However, there are still reasons to have PCs. Because I, I'll tell you what, I am not going to sit down and bang out a bunch of emails on my iPad. It's just not there. Maybe someday, not right now. I want a computer uh, when I do stuff like that. And I don't think that's backwards thinking. I think that's just realistic. You do know? you sell any Mac Pros? Towers? Yep. No. Really? I mean, I sold maybe one in the last year. That one wow. is, uh, yeah, that... I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's. I, I guess, you know, we, we've done some implementations in server environments and bigger stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But as far as the consumers, um no, That's I mean, pretty huge, though. I mean, because even uh, consumers can't necessarily tell the difference between a Mac Pro that's been revised this year or two years ago. And so if it's really that's the rate they're selling at, it sort of seems grim for the future of the Mac Pro. Why would Apple really want to sink efforts into a product line that most consumers have abandoned? That's true. I yeah. mean, I, one in a that's year, that's, that's remarkable. I, I sort of figured that they were still trickling out at just a much lower rate. No, they're just kind of not. Well, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I know sure. for me, it's not a big deal. Um, well, you, Mac, I mean, you cater to a lot of designers and artists. What What are they buying? Are they buying iMacs? Are they buying Mac laptops? Yeah, they're, they're, they're buying they're buying powerful iMacs and powerful MacBook Pros. 
Interesting. That's why in the 17-inch MacBook Pro was their weapon of choice. They all liked it because it was that perfect. It was, you know, yeah, it's a little clunky when you bring it around, but it shows off better than anything else. And frankly, uh, if you know, if that's my business, that's uh, I'm going to want a big screen and yeah. I'm going to want something portable. Have people been switching to the Retina MacBook as a result? Um, you know, some have, but realistically, um, you know, Retina's great. I think it's cool. I think it's um, I think it's fun to look at. Um, I think it's nice on the eyes. But here's what I worry about. It doesn't have a college um, education, is what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. What you're going to do after its pro season is over. No, but, um, you know, it's locked down tight. You can't change it. So, you know, what works with the iPad, you pay $500 for an iPad because next year or the year after something goes wrong, I'm just going to replace it with whatever the new model is. I don't know how well that translates into something that's $3,000. And on that note, we're going to break for the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back in a few minutes with more information, <laughs> and we're going to go back to perhaps a little bit of what's happened in the past, the history of running a store that sells Apple products and technology products in general. We'll be right back. KVRF Sutton, Radio Free Palmer, 89.5 on your FM dial, Big Cabbage Radio. Well, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I know that I just want to look some more. And I won't be satisfied till there's nothing left that I have. Like, do you remember it was what? Um, Two, remember, four years? Something yeah. Four years? Four years? 2009, I would say, actually. Yeah. Who do I you got know my two about two yeah. years ago. What's okay, that? So who do you know still has an iPad 1? Uh, I never knew anyone who had an iPad 1. We've got our fearless radio producer, Mike, is what he's saying. For his grandkids, yeah, well, he says. My point right. is, is, I never see those. They never come in. Right. Never. Maybe iPad 2s, but most of the things that we see are the brand newest iPad. Everybody yeah. rushes out to get them right as soon as they're released. No, that's very true. And I'll add to that, I am often astounded at the number of clients I see who have an iPhone 5. And I say astounded just because these are people who last year had an iPhone 4 or whatever, and they don't really have a lot of money. I mean, they'll come into the office, they, are, they can barely afford to visit $40, $80, whatever, and yet they have an iPhone 5. And part of that, of course, is their carrier's it, it subsidizes that. The cost to them is not all that great necessarily. They're still spending two hundred dollars. Yeah, on if it's the brand phone. new and recent. Well, if it's if it's brand new and recent, it, I I think so. Mike, you're you're waving your hand. You're interjecting. Uh, let me just interject here. Uh, one of the one of the great uh, great things in the system is that uh, on the market, if you go two years with a contract and then go to uh, obtain the new one which might cost 200 bucks uh, with a new contract, I have found that you can sell on Craigslist and elsewhere your old phone for just about that amount mm -hmm. so that what you're doing is uh, just extending your contract, but you're really not incurring any additional costs. At least that's been our experience. Mm -hmm. No, that's absolutely true. Uh, I just, I mean, most people don't do that. 
Right, I, that know, is a little should. unusual. They, they should, it's and a great I wish tip. they would, but most, most people don't. I mean, uh, yeah, I, what's the turnover rate in, in the store, Jake? What, how many people come in looking for the latest and greatest the minute it comes out? Um, you know, the people that like the latest and greatest always get the latest and greatest. And, I mean, um, more iPhone 5s go out than anything else, absolutely. Right. Except for sometimes the free ones. The free ones, the iPhone 4s now are free with a contract. Right, so those right. Will, those will fly off the shelves pretty quick. But, you know, I'm amazed that, yeah, and, you know, a lot of times they're giving to their kids or whatever when they're upgrading. But at some point, those devices have to be going somewhere. I wonder where they're going. Sure. You know, when you sell them back, a lot of, a lot of companies will offer that buyback program. What are they doing with them? That's the question I have. So you don't take trade-ins? No, not generally. I mean, maybe sometimes, but a lot of people don't want to trade in there. As a matter of fact, I can't tell you the last time somebody wanted to trade in their old iPhone. When they so got they're device. keeping the old ones and maybe giving it to someone. Maybe, maybe giving it to somebody, but then again, you know, that person still has to go sign a contract. I mean, I guess they can do month to month depending on who the provider is. But what about computers? Um, do people come seeking to trade in computers? Yeah, that happens more frequently, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think it's because it's a higher price item, and sure. what are you going to do with two of them? You know, uh, you so does Apple offer you anything you can do? So you're selling iPhones, right? You're selling iPads. Uh, mm-hmm. They go out of style every six months. There's a new one that rolls around. What does what uh, does Apple have a program for its resellers to say, send us back your old, your wretched, your poor, and we will do something with them? Or do they just say, you deal with it? Uh yeah, they just say you do. I think they offer something online through their direct store. There's some kind of um, there, Yeah, they have a trade in there or, or like a send back your old thing. Yeah, you don't get very much money, but they will give you stuff back. There's other online uh, providers that don't do it as well, though. Like, but uh, for you as a reseller, they don't offer you any kind of resource oh, or method. No, no, no. As, as a reseller, there's no, no, nothing like that. So as a reseller right now, and, you know, Apple introduced the Apple Store in, what, 2006, something like that, which has been wildly successful, and they more or less dominate the retail market. Um, How has their relationship to you as an independent provider changed? I would have to imagine significantly. I mean, now you're... Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but, yeah, I mean, essentially... What I, what I, here's my perception, and this is my opinion on what happened. Um, I think that before Apple had retail stores, I think Apple uh, had a lot of resellers that were pushing their product. And as Apple got smarter and, and opened up their own retail store, because they realized that controlling the customer experience is the number one priority for them. Mm-hmm. A, they couldn't control it as much through resellers, but B, a lot of resellers have been doing it for a very long time. And a lot of resellers really honestly give a very, very poor representation. Absolutely. Of no, I totally agree. I can't say the number and of times I went to a quote-unquote Max door and had a horrible experience. Yeah, and they look like crap. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I can say that. I'm assuming I can. Uh, they look horrible. The, the, the SWAT team is coming to your house right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, right. Yeah, they look horrible. They um, feel even worse when you walk in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's almost like... They're the anti-Apple store, is what they are, <laughs> because they don't actually like Apple because they think Apple owes them something. Um, and, and I think what that is is I think, that, I think that really what happens is you have these people that started these Mac stores and they became fanboys over time. Mm-hmm. And now that Apple is, has you know, taken their shiny rug away, um, they're jaded. And instead of being progressive and, and trying to get on board with what they're doing, 
they're kind of languishing away and, and, and just, you know, deciding that they're going to, So that's actually mm. a really interesting point I never thought about because there's been a lot of talk about how Apple abandoned the independent retailer when they start opening their own retail stores, which, you know, largely to some degree is true. But I guess there's a flip side perspective is that the independent retailers had, in a sense, abandoned Apple well before. Apple would not have probably felt the need and the urge to do that if they had someone else representing them that was doing a bang-up job. Well, that begs the question, then, why did these retailers abandon Apple? I mean, there's motivations there. I don't know. I don't, I, maybe it's just about not being passionate enough about what you do. Well, so then I would suggest that maybe Apple didn't do enough to energize them. Maybe not. Um, that may have changed. I mean, I haven't been doing it that long. So I mean, not, people's but. motivations come, you know, they don't come out of nowhere. But actually, that may have been why Apple opened its own store. How do you motivate a completely independent retailer? I mean, and that you're right. I mean, they may have mismanaged the independent, independent retailer program. I mean, I don't know. I believe that it was at the time it was really hard. It was a really high barrier of entry, wasn't there? What when to become one? Yep. Oh yeah, I mean the requirements are, are yeah off the chart, and I mean. Um, I don't even know that it's possible to become a reseller. It's not now. I can tell you that I've looked at it multiple times. Actually, I, no, all I've looked at is becoming a service provider. And yeah. they, they don't say they don't do it. They just say it's not available at this time, which I find yeah, really well, interesting. Yeah, well, I think if, you're a, if you own a chain of Best Buys, I think your chances are pretty high right now. <laughs> but I, I think if you're uh, Have you heard them of approving any new Apple authorized service providers at all, ever? Uh, service providers? Yeah, yeah. Actually, really? I, I think they still will if it's value added. I mean, I, I, of course, I can't speak for Apple, but I'm sure that they just do, you know, whatever they feel is best. But right. I think. But it's not like um, they have a fiat, this is it, this is done, closed, finished. I don't think so. No, I think it's more of the invite only. I think, I think that it is still possible. That's fascinating. Yeah. So what about their support for you? You're an independent retailer. You're an independent support provider. Over the years, are they still dedicated to giving you the resources you need to provide good service if you are passionate about it? Or they just say, okay, you're kind of on the own. You can buy our parts, but you figure it out. No, no, actually, it's actually, it's, it's actually quite the opposite. It's, it's um, you know, they want you to do it their way. Mm-hmm. And, because, mm. and, and frankly, with their stuff, their way is the best way. It mm-hmm. is the best way, absolutely. Um and if you don't do it their way, you're going to be dumb. And, <laughs> you know, and, 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 uh, hey, if you want to play the game, you, you got to play it right. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Would you say, okay, so in the past few years, in a sense, would you say their quality control has stepped up instead of the other way around? Um, I think yes. I think they've tried to step it up. I think sometimes some of the, some of the ways that that's stepped up is not the best in the like, world. Like how? Um, well, just, you know... Sometimes you try to automate a process so much that it uh, it makes it frustrating to the, the like people that are really good at diagnosing an issue or whatever aren't able to diagnose it properly because of you know you have to run this test or that test mm-hmm. and you kind of have to do what it says. Yeah, it, like any, it's like anything. I mean, it's like it's it's like customer service. You know, when when you have to talk to somebody who does technical support at an X Y Z company, or whatever. Um, and they're going to read through a book, and they're going to do it exactly the way the manual is written, but they don't think outside the lines a little bit sometimes. Have you seen any changes since Tim Cook took over? I mean, I know it's only been a year, and frankly, I don't think you're going to see anything really change in a year. No, nothing like that. I wouldn't really necessarily expect that. 
How about changes in the advent of some of the negative press Apple has received about its operations in China, Shenzhen plants and and uh, various... No, I mean, that stuff is so just completely separate from what a reseller would, you know, or a service provider, I think, would get in, in, involved in. But you don't get people walking in and asking about that? Like, did little Chinese hands touch the phone? Uh, no, never. Really? Really, not, not, hmm. not ever, not, that's fascinating if you think mm-hmm. about it. Like, people just don't care. Uh, right. I, I don't think so. I think it's all about the consumer, right? Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so from that perspective, uh, it's all about the consumer. Ha- and from your perspective, selling these things, is there a market need that Apple hasn't addressed or that anyone hasn't addressed? Are people coming in looking for a product or a service or a reality that just hasn't happened yet? And if, you it, know, if you do see that, why haven't you made it? <laughs> you personally. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, you know, uh, let me see. How do I answer that? Um, yeah, I, I guess if I did, I'd probably be talking to you in my jet at 30,000 feet right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, actually, so I'll rephrase that question so it's a little more useful. So you don't just have to say, I would invent the Internet again. Uh, it, is there anything that you wish Apple did differently, that a f- common frustrant or complaint or in dealing with their products that you just, uh, like, gosh, I wish Apple did not have this service set up in this way or that the clients, um, my customers didn't no, have to do with it? Mm-hmm. not really. Apple does a pretty good, here's, here's what Apple does, and this is, this is what I love about them, mm-hmm. okay? They don't try to please everybody, mm-hmm. but they take a section of the market and they say, hey, we're going to do a job. We're going we're gonna to do this, we're going to support this, we're going to make this, and we're going to do it as, as good as we possibly can. And in that regard, I mean, I think they do a very, very good job. I think that's why they're as popular as they are, because they don't try to please everybody. They haven't made a television set just because people say they should, you know. Um, sure. There's a number of products. An iWatch. You just can't wait to get the iWatch, right? <laughs> right. Uh the, yeah, no, what I really like is I think I saw another April Fool's thing where they had a band that you could actually just attach your iPad or iPhone to your wrist. <laughs> but they do make those for the iPad Nanos, I have to note. Um. Yeah, which I thought was, you know, the one thing I've noticed about Apple, and, 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 and I think this is really true, is every time you see a product, if the product's a little quirkier, you don't quite understand it, chances are, um, or, or the technology there, you're kind of going, why did they do that? Chances are they are literally putting that into the product, I think, to test yeah. how people respond to it in future products. And here's the first time I saw it. The first time I saw it was uh, in the old MacBook Pro. I think even PowerBooks started doing this, but certainly the MacBook Pros. You had this ability. I think the first time it came out was you, know, you could use the trackpad, but you could put two fingers on the trackpad and click the, click yep. the trackpad button. Mm-hmm. And, and it recognized two fingers on there and it would do a right click. Yep. Yeah, right. And, and that was it. And nobody even really knew about it because a lot of people that used Apple didn't use right click. Right. But that really was, I think, they're, they're, them starting to play around with the technology that eventually became the iPhone. Hmm. Hmm. And, and I think they were setting it up over time. I think they're brilliant that way. I think, I think when they made the Cube and the Cube had the, uh, the tower button that worked a little too well and decided to turn on even when nobody was in the room. It's an intelligent <laughs> power button. Yeah, but they were using that, that technology of the static electricity fill around your finger to turn that on. I mean, that was it. That was the first time they said, hey, if we're going to do this eventually, we've got to start now, and here's where we start. Mm-hmm. 
get get experience in that particular area. Absolutely. I mean, and, and you can just see it over and over and over again. So, yeah, you make a, you make an iPod Nano, and the iPod Nano is small, and you can put it in, you know, you happen to sell a wristband for it, makes it into a watch. <laughs> Why else would they be doing that? And, I mean... So, yeah, I, and, 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 and you've got Apple, which is ascendant now, right? It's no longer the underdog. It's the major dog. Right. And then you've got Microsoft, who has catered to business customers very successfully over the years. And um, it, there, has been, there have been reports, and, and I've certainly seen this in a lot of cases, of Apple making inroads, despite not really in any way catering to, and in fact actively sometimes enacting policies and products that seem directly counterintuitive to the business world. They're making inroads into enterprise and IT world and, and larger institutions that before they were simply not a part of. And have you seen that? Do you, do you service any large organizations that you know need hosted exchange email and so forth? What's the story there? Is everyone switching to cloud services, Google Cloud? Is Microsoft Windows Server still the king? What have, has your experience um, been? It, it definitely, everybody wants to go cloud. And, mm -hmm. and I really think Apple's partially responsible for that because people wouldn't be calling it the cloud if Apple didn't, didn't deem it the cloud. Yeah, yeah. And they started explaining what MobileMe was, you know. And um, everybody wants to go to the cloud. It makes a lot of sense. It makes things more simple. Uh, gone are the days of, you know, or, or not now, but I think in the, in the you know, future, um, the IT guy that hides in the closet with all of the server equipment, and nobody really understands them, but he keeps things running. I really think, <laughs> sort of. uh, yeah, those are going to be done by facilities like Google, and and everybody else is going to deal with really slick uh, online services that make their management a lot easier. And, and have the people you serviced, have you seen a success from that? I mean, has it gone horribly wrong and everything exploded in their face, or they've successfully made the transition and it's worked out great? You know what? I think that element has not changed. Here, here's what I think. I think um, I think it's all in you know who you have help you with IT. If you have an IT company that you work with, managed service provider, whatever. I like where you're going with this. I totally yeah. agree. <laughs> well, I guess my point is, I mean, anything could blow up in your face or not. It's all in implementation. It's all in is it thought through? Do you trust the person you're working with? I mean. You know, I see a lot of companies that decide they're going to go out and they're going to do it online on their own, and guess what? I get a phone call, you know, a month later saying, uh, hey, could you come fix this? And and that's, you know, I don't care where you are, that's always an issue. You know, um, uh, uh, you know, lack of planning is lack of planning, no matter if it's a cloud based or a server on the floor. That, yeah, and I have to say that's definitely been my experience. Uh, you know, as far as all the services that we've seen, or even as far as products we've seen that don't need their components swapped out. You know, hard drives can't be upgraded. Which, by the way, it's crazy now that you can't really upgrade the hard drive in an iMac. That's that's definitely a first. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, I haven't seen a decrease in the number of people who need help. No, and that's the thing. So here's the thing that, that, that boggles my mind is, is the more close that technology becomes, uh, the more it, it becomes, you know, uh, like an iPad where you can't open them, you can just and get a new one, or pay a, a, you know whatever the price is that you know Apple deems you have to pay to fix it. Um, the only saving factor in my mind would be if Apple developed an actual exchange program where they, okay, you can't upgrade this. We're not going to open it up and put you know new this or new that in it, but we'll take it and give you a better one. 
and then we're going to extract the natural resources out of it and reuse them. Yeah, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, th that would be, that would be a, I, I guess, a good thing. If, or, or recycle the parts for, for another computer or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, it's just... Uh, I think way, they could uh, really fall into a pit there if, they're, sure, if they yeah, start to advocate for, for disposable merchandise. That's really um, contrary to a lot of the other things that they're doing. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, the sheer numbers of how many, and just them and other people, how many devices and products are being sold um, every day. Yes, a lot of products going somewhere. Yep. Yeah, and there's a lot of um, rare metals and, and all kinds of things there that can actually be extracted. Yeah, actually, 80% of rare metals today are coming from coming from China at the mm. moment. It's a, it's a big deal. We're, I was going to do a new piece about it, mm. but yeah. Um, okay, so I, Mike, you just asked a question. I don't understand the question. Well, the question I had was, five years ago, in any one of you, all of the three, uh, how much of a sense, if you could go back to that time, did you have of what we would be facing today? And, of course, the corollary question is, uh, looking ahead, just guessing wildly, where is this all going in the next five years? Yes, prognosticate for me. <laughs> where is the crystal ball? Yeah, he was asking you that question. I couldn't have seen. I mean, I, I would have five years ago. I would have uh, no no idea that it, you know that it would be like it is today. And I think five years from now, is anybody's guess, I think every company can try to plan what they're going to do. I think Apple can try to see the future or make the future in technology. But then then there's the big element of how are people going to respond to it? You know, um, could have anybody you know predicted that? Uh, I mean, you can always predict based on human emotion, like what people are going to want to do. Everybody likes to talk about themselves, so naturally Facebook made a lot of money. Uh, Twitter, you know, uh, things like that, social media. But people, you know, the human element is always the thing that you can't judge 100% because you don't know what people are going to do. Yeah, that's, that's, of course, probably why it's a kind of a waste of time to try and figure that out and design a product <laughs> and market towards towards human taste. A, a question I have always wanted to ask um, is it, how are you, and I've been told that it's not true, but I've also been told that it is true that there is a set amount of uh, Apple service contracts that need to be sold to, in order to re stay an Apple reseller. Is that true? Warranty. Warranties, mm, yeah. Yep. Um, no, not really. It's more of like, you know, you're talking about like, uh, like their Apple care. Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's something that they definitely want to want to get out there, but for good reason. I mean, you know, Apple Care, and, and and honestly, with the more that the systems are getting um, kind of closed up, the more uh, that that right there is the thing that could save you because it, it takes a device and makes it, you know, uh, from a one year warranty to it a three year warranty. And then a lot of companies do this too. Lenovo um, is is a great PC company that's offering kind of similar stuff in the PC world, but. You know, it doesn't cover stuff like uh, liquid damage or, or breaking it or, you know, throwing it across the room. But sure. it does cover if, if a display fails or if, you know, you have an awful drive that fails or whatever. 
it covers that, and I think that that's um, it. it and so no Apple or Lenovo rep comes over to your house and, like, <laughs> pounds their fist threateningly. When How you many have you sold? Yeah. Uh, you know, if there's, there's, there's ways that they do it, and, and, and you know, I, I definitely think that there's certain ways that they want it, uh, want it moved. But, yeah, I haven't experienced uh, anybody coming over and pounding their fist. Not, that, you, not that you're aware of anyway. Right, exactly. <laughs> very, very reassuring, <laughs> that is. Excellent. Well, I think we're just about out of time. And, uh, oh, oh, never mind. We still have five minutes. I don't know what to ask you. You, you can yeah. fill in the blanks, Jake. Yep. Um, well, you know, getting back to the whole cloud notion, you know, I think in, in one level, um, you know, you can reach economies of scale. I'm, I'm thinking in terms of uh, environmental benefits again. The, the, the whole kind of contrast between being able to reuse materials and, and find uh, more efficient ways of doing things, which Apple seems to be really good at. And using the cloud could arguably be along those lines where you can have economies of scale um, using uh, renewable resources to power the enormous servers, etc. Um, but, you know, at what point are people going to entrust the cloud to their important information. And one of the things, one of the mantras we've been um, dictating on the air is to back up your stuff. Uh, upgrade your software, but also, you know, have duplicates for your duplicates. And so there's right. there's some case there for having more, not a hard copy, obviously, but more tangible uh, forms of, of copying your, your information. How, oh, yep. uh, uh, thank you, Michael. I've, I've got an, an, an interesting thought. You know, very often, uh, and we've asked this question five years ago, was what was happening or prior to the iPhone's arrival or the iPod, et cetera, how, how was it possible to predict its impact? Some people suggest, and I look toward people who are writing science fantasy and science fiction in part to provide some of this, that there's a next a cycle of what might be called uh, a, uh, uh, an artificial uh, holographic, uh, in part game-playing environment, in part meeting environment, that the next big thing may well be the ability to to put yourself uh, into a meeting from a distance, uh, helping to take care of the traffic congestion and all the rest of it. That, that, that appears to be one of the areas that's seeing a lot of work being done. So we're seeing a whole set of new games that are developing that are uh, uh, in part using hepatic gloves and other kinds of things that uh, allow a person to be in another place virtually. That uh, virtual connection seems to be one that's developing. Any thoughts about that? Um, you know, I think I, I, I read. I think what everybody else reads on it. I, I saw a video the other day. Uh, my brother was showing it to me. That was uh, something that Microsoft was working on. I, you know, it was on or around April Fool's. So that's possible. But it was it was something that, I, and I think I heard about this before. But it was as the Xbox was playing, somehow the television or or box that was sitting next to the television was broadcasting um, 
basically projecting part of the image onto the wall around it. Uh, and what it really did is it made you, as you're like, you're driving your car down the street or whatever, um, it cool. kind of made, it made it look a little bit more like the entire room. Uh, you had peripheral vision of, of the other things around the street. It was kind of hard to explain. Um, I, there's a name for it. I, I heard the name called. I can't remember what it was, but I think that goes along with it. You know, virtual reality has been this thing that people have wanted to experience uh, for a long time. I mean, you have little products like the Google Glasses that are coming out. Um, you have, you know, um, I don't know. There's other products that kind of put you... Well, there was, of course, the classic, what, 19, late 1990s, early 2000s attempt at VR headsets that gave everyone splitting migraines. But we've been, we, we've been trying to craft craft a virtual reality for ourselves, a three-dimensional virtual reality for ourselves for, for decades, I guess. Yeah, now. and what's amazing to me is, yeah, and, and total immersion is something that, that people really want. It begs the question sometimes, um, you know, it's fun. The entertainment value is there. It's cool. Um, why are we immersing ourselves into an alternate reality? What's wrong with the one that's here? <laughs> oh, oh, you need to ask that question. <laughs> well, well, one of the... There are no elves, for starters. <laughs> well, one of the one of the interesting examples of it is uh, a recent uh, novel called uh, uh, "Begin Player One," and the discussion in there describes a situation where uh, today we have concerns about enough space for schools or the quality of schools. Well, you create a virtual school which has all of those features. If, including, for example, access to all of the materials who you want. So you put your avatar in that setting, and and it doesn't matter where you are. You are now in a school which has got an avatar teacher who's a, an excellent teacher, and you have you have a clean, modern, new school immersive reality. Uh, that's one one way that people suggest that there'll be uh, an improvement. Uh, that's what in part, is wrong with the present reality. It costs a lot to build uh, the buildings, et cetera, et cetera. I think we will incur greater costs if, if young people and even college students aren't taught interpersonal dynamics, the ability to actually meet face-to-face -face and communicate. Yeah. I agree with that. I have to say that, I, you know, I, as much as I'm in the technology industry, I have to, I have to say that uh, sometimes I wonder if the, the, the direction that technology is heading where, you know, um, you, you can hide behind anything, you can be whoever you want to be, and you can, you can uh, have whatever opinion you want to have, but you don't ever have to get in front of anybody and step up to the plate. That sort of begs the question, well, it doesn't beg the question, I think it illustrates the point that technology has always been, it will always be something that provides us with a tremendous amount of latitude to use its power. And we can use that in incredibly intelligent and thoughtful and useful ways, or we can use that in ways that are counterproductive at best and damaging at worst. It, you know, right now, we can use our computer as a method of increasing our efficiency, communicating faster, completing tasks faster, receiving entertainment that we could have or information we never could have before. Or it can be a time sink, and it can be something that ruins and breaks relationships or just disassociates us from the world around us. But as is becoming more and more obvious, as the Internet progresses and as our ability to project ourselves across 
time and space progresses, right now we can mask ourselves whether we're attacking a website or whether we're just making a comment online. We can become anonymous right now. So if we have a reality where we can project ourselves virtually and we can have a virtual classroom where it looks like we're all there but none of us are, on the downside, I can guarantee that we're going to have scenarios where people <laughs> pretend to be something they're not, even if they're yeah. supposed to. School t we're going to have scandals where it turns out XYZ school teacher was masquerading as this guy in, in Arlington, Virginia, and actually it turns out he's from Hoboken, New Jersey, and doesn't have a degree and was just there because he wanted to spread his ideas. Or on the flip side, yeah, we're going to be able to hang out with our family on Thanksgiving even if we're overseas, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. But... I'm sure that you sell products like that in your store every day. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> he, he can't say. <laughs> Ooh, an evil laugh. Okay. What a great well, way to end our show. We are, we're running out of time. Jake, thank you so much for coming on and telling us about what's involved uh, in, in working in the retail environment today with selling Macs and technology in general. Any closing thoughts before we shut this down? Uh, no, just... Uh, I thought your brain might be blank. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll be thank next you, back here next week. Yes, thank you so much. We will all talk soon. The Grid. A digital frontier. I tried to picture clusters of information as they moved through the computer. What did they look like? Ships, motorcycles. Were the circuits like freeways? I kept dreaming of a world I thought I'd never see. And then, one day, 